So la last Sunday, uh, I had someone, I won't say the name, okay, but I had someone telling me, it's time, it's time, it's time. I mean, I, I, I can see him uh, from here. Um, but thank you, David. I, I really need that sometimes. <laughs> so if you see that I'm just like going the extra mile, let, let me know again, please. Let me know. Because um, this morning I'm a little bit hungry, so I might need to end up early. Okay, so another fascinating story. But now Luke is telling us or taking us. Look, look at this. So at the very beginning, we started with Paul. Then we jump into Peter. And now we're going back with Paul. One thing that is really, really interesting about Luke and the way and the style that he uses to communicate his message is the fact that he wants for the audience to know some specific stories. I don't know, but I would like, I would like to think that Luke was, well, no, he was, I mean, indeed a storyteller because we have this, all of these stories together here. But when you think about storytelling, it's that art of communicating something that truly applies to the life of people, no matter the season or the time they're going through. So when the storyteller in the first century decided to choose one specific story, they knew exactly that that story was relevant for those who were the primary audience, but also it was relevant for those who were going to be reading it in the future. Now, I don't know if Luke thought, oh, maybe 2,000 years after this story, someone in a city called Miami will be reading this. That's kind of like impossible for him to think that. But it's powerful to know that we are reading what he recorded, what he considered by the guidance of the Holy Spirit, important for future generations of Christians to know. But this is a simple story. We didn't see any miracles here again. There's no miracles. It's just them going from one place to another. And if you have read the stories behind, because there's a couple of stories in the previous verses, they're being guided by the Holy Spirit. In fact, when we read the beginning of chapter 16, we see how the author wants us to know that the Holy Spirit is telling them literally like, go here and don't go there. Or don't go there and go here. So we see something extremely powerful. Missionaries being guided by the voice of the Holy Spirit. Telling them exactly what to do. So it's like the Holy Spirit is making the arrangements for these encounters to happen. So if we can call it from um, another perspective, it will be something like, instead of stories of faith, we can call them also divine encounters. So, listen to this. When we have the discernment of the Holy Spirit, and the Lord opens our eyes, we have the ability to understand that every encounter we have with someone is a divine moment to express the glory of God. I want to say this again. When we have our eyes open, we can see that every encounter we have is a divine moment to share 
the glory of God. So this is real life. There's nothing supernatural in this story. It's just a few verses. From verse 11 to verse 15. Luke is telling us basically that they went from this place to the other place. This specific city, this region. Then they got together with some group of women. And among them, there was one that they had a conversation with. She decided to accept the Lord. She got baptized. The whole house got baptized as well. That's our understanding. And then that was it. Then that she was begging them to stay. But that was it. So what can we get from a story like this? Sometimes we use these stories in the book of Acts just as examples. Like, hey, look, look at Lydia. The way she did it is the way we should respond to, you know, listen to the world and then be baptized. And we use those stories as examples only. However, as I've been telling you for the past couple of weeks, every single story that we find in the New Testament, every single one has a deep theological message that the authors wanted us to know. And every theological message that they wanted to communicate is extremely powerful because it reveals something from the character of God. So these stories are not just to tell people what to do in the future. It's for everybody to know the character of God revealed in the story. So what do we get from here? What do we get from here? I don't know about you, but every single time I think about a woman that impacted my faith when I was little, this name comes to my mind. I don't know if you already have a name for your own story. When, but sometimes I feel that everyone has that woman in your life uh, regarding, you know, like that specific area of faith. So I remember Sister Soila in Honduras. I was four years old. I got to church with my grandma. I didn't know anyone. And it was a little bit, I want to be honest here, okay, no offense, but it was kind of boring, okay. So I was like, Grandma, why do we have to go to this place? It's really boring. I mean, there's nothing to do, like, no, nothing. I mean, and, and, and this is me, this is me little, okay. Uh, they don't even have food. Uh, so, four years old. Uh, and then gra- my grandma said, well, but we go there to learn about God. And I didn't have a clue of what God was I mean I, I was totally lost but I remember this four years old and I, I just don't know how come I remember this I got there a few times we were just with the whole assembly but that that Sunday my grandma said hey I don't want you with me today I said okay well, what do you mean okay I heard that they have Bible classes for little kids like you and I want you to go there okay you take me I said no I am not gonna take you Go through that door, four years old, are you serious? Like, Go through that door, and they will see you. And then here's me walking through the door, and I saw Sister Soila. And she's like, oh, welcome. Uh, are you hungry? <laughs> that was the thing. So, I said, well, yeah, a, a little bit, Sister Soila. Well, yeah, a little bit. Okay, come here. We have, we have some juice and some cookies for you. I said, okay, I like, the, I like this church now. So, we got there, and she said this. She said, hello, everyone. Stop what you're doing. Stop what you're doing. We have a new kid with us, and this is Carlos. And he will be here now, and I want you guys to be kind, and I want you guys to f- make him feel welcome. 
Okay, so I was there and I got so in love with Sister Soila and the whole environment for, you know, Bible school. That I was 13 years old and I wanted to continue with her. I didn't want to get baptized. That was one of the reasons too. Because I was so comfortable and I felt safe being in that class. She impacted my faith tremendously. So when I say look, reinforcing this idea in the first century that women can have a high impact in the faith of someone, I get excited. I get excited. I grew up thinking that women in church were just ready to perform some specific task and they were good on those, but that was it. I didn't see the bigger picture. And for all my sisters here this morning and for everyone watching us online, I want to tell you, God wants to use you in a powerful way to transform the life of many. These divine encounters, we cannot underestimate them. Sometimes we believe that our strategy or the way we approach to people is the key. But let me tell you, the key in every single encounter is the power of the Holy Spirit. And when we open our eyes to the power of the Holy Spirit, nothing else matters. Okay, now, let's go to the story. So, they're going to this, this place, this region of Macedonia. And, and it's important to understand this, because even though they had, they had high Greek influence, they also had their own traditions and this cosmology, which is basically the way they used to see life and the future and stuff regarding to their own gods. So in, in, in Macedonia, like in Greek, but with a little bit more of freedom, and this is important for the context, women who were exercising religion in Macedonia, they had the freedom to, to express those practices in public. There were no restrictions for them to do it. So if they were devoted to this specific God, or they were devoted to do this specific tradition of their religion, they had the freedom to express that in public. It was, of course, a little bit different with the Jewish tradition. So, Philippi, it's, a, it's one of the most important cities. Not the most important one, but one of the most important ones. And it wasn't just like a, like a, like a little like colony of Rome. And the lifestyle, the religion, the practices, and everything was present in that little city. So now Paul is going there. Paul understands that he has a mission. The mission is to communicate what he has received from Jesus. Because he believes that that message can truly transform humanity. He brought transformation to his life and now he's ready to communicate that to others as well. But he's going to a different place, a different region, different traditions, different way to see God probably. And, and they were determined to continue what they, with what they started before. And if you remember in the book of Acts, the, first, the formula, as I, as I call it, it's basically go to a city, find a synagogue in that place, and then go and communicate to them what you have received. 
Believing that this Jesus was the Messiah, is the Christ, and that He's coming back to bring freedom to all of us. And that was a good way to do it. Because communicating the central message for Israel, even those in the diaspora, was probably the key then for the message to expand in the region. But here in this story, we don't have so many details. They go on the Sabbath now. And, and they go, but they don't go to a synagogue. Probably they didn't have one over there. But what's more interesting to me is this. In all of these regions in the diaspora, in order for the Jewish community to establish or to create a synagogue or a place for teaching, they needed to have at least 10 men who can lead and coordinate and do all the functions. If they didn't have at least 10 men, then it was not possible for them to establish a formal synagogue. Let me tell you something else. In Macedonia, in their region, religion was based on rituals or practices. That was the whole thing. Practices. Jewish tradition, it's based more on teachings. So I have a message. I communicate that message to you. So then we have like, a, not a contradiction, but a possible problem here. No synagogue, probably they didn't have enough men to lead it. Then, And considering in that region, women have, by culture, that freedom to exercise their religion in public, the authorities probably were not concerned about it, and they allowed them just to get together close to this river. The point is like, they were praying over there, and Luke wants us to, to see this. People will be meeting for prayer. And they sat down to speak with some women who had gathered there. So the emphasis here is the conversation they have with women. They didn't approach to lead to the leaders of the community. They didn't approach to Jewish leaders in the community. They decided intentionally to go and talk to women. Women that were together over there to pray. In the first century, in Jerusalem, it was also inappropriate for a teacher to just like sit down and talk directly to women before considering the leaders of the community, male leaders in the community. But here Paul is talking directly to them. Yeah, it might be inappropriate for what they learned before, but now he's like, I have a message that I want to communicate to you. That message was so powerful that Luke wants us to know that this woman called Lydia decided to obey the message, but also she was insisting for them to stay with her. And another thing that is powerful in this verse, and I'm going to make my three points right now, don't worry. The text literally said, as she was listening to us, 
Listen to this. The Lord opened her heart. She accepted what Paul was saying. And she and her whole house got baptized. The first thing that I want to bring to your attention is this. Point number one, if you want to call it that way. The power of listening. The power of listening. So, we need in a, we live in a society that needs a lot of things, and you know that. Our communities, our country, our world, we need a lot of things now. And the things that we need, they are not based on the resources we can provide for others to get what they're lacking of. But what we need is those things that humans can accomplish only if they got humble enough to listen. The power of listening. When we listen to a story, we are opening our ears to get the details of what that person is trying to communicate to us. When we listen to a story, we understand better the life of others. We understand sometimes why the people or some people are the way they are. We understand sometimes why they do the things they do when we hear the stories. Listening to the stories avoid us to judge people. Because sometimes we just point to the behavior and saying that person is this way and you are so selfish and you do the things your own way and you don't see what you're doing to us and to our family. And, and, and when we listen to stories, we are able to empathize and we are able to see what's in their heart. And that brings some kind of connection. When we listen, we don't judge. Now, listen is, listening is not about getting their perspective so I can prepare my points to create an argument because I disagree with that. So, if I'm telling you my story, if I'm telling you my testimony, my expectation is not for you to come and say, oh, while I'm listening to you, I'm already thinking in the advice I'm going to give you. Oh, while I'm listening to you, I'm already thinking on how to contradict what you're saying because I disagree with that. No. Listening is about quitting your own thoughts to replace them with the words of others. So number one, listen to your own voice sometimes. The Holy Spirit is in us, yes. But sometimes we got to listen to ourselves. What's in there? What stories do we hide sometimes that, we, that need to be expressed in order for us to create deeper community? Community is developed by us sharing our stories. The stories of transformation. And sometimes stories of pain. So we all can be healed. Also, learn to listen to others. Because that is the only way to reconcile. People pray for peace. For our country. For Latin America. For the world. 
It's good to pray for peace. But it's better when we listen to the stories of others so we understand why they are the way they are. Listening is extremely powerful to the point to the point that even God is telling us, "Hey, I hear you. I am here for you." Because when we stop to listen to someone, what we're truly saying is, "I care about you. You are important to me." Have you ever noticed that sometimes we're talking to people and we're texting or doing something else? And, and I know it's frustrating, like, because I do it sometimes too. We're texting and everything, and then the person telling us the story or, or just like saying something, they ask, are you listening to me? And we do something like this. Yes, yes, I am. Yes. Yeah, keep, keep going. Keep. Tell me about your mom. Yes. Just one second. This text is important. Multitasking, like, like oh, yeah, yeah. We can, we can text, we can be on the computer, and then we can also listen. No. When you decide to listen, you stop what you're doing because the message you send to the person is, hey, I am here for you. And how about us listening to God? In reality, this woman was not listening to Paul's words. She was listening to the voice of the Spirit in those words. So in reality, when she decided to tell Paul, hey, yes, tell me what you have. She was saying yes to God. Probably what she was going to receive was something completely new. Probably she didn't understand exactly the whole message. Probably he didn't have the whole picture clear, but she knew that that was coming from the Holy Spirit. And if that was coming from the Holy Spirit, it was worth the effort to stop everything that she was doing to listen to the voice of God. Our prayer should be, not for a nation to heal or to reconcile. Yeah, that's good and powerful too. But our prayer should be for a church that listens to the voice of God. A church that is able to recognize when God is saying and, and, and what God is telling us to do so we can obey the voice of the Holy Spirit even if we don't understand. Even if it is weird. But that's, that's the voice of our Creator. That's the voice of our Father. That is the voice of our God. And even if I'm confused, if I obey, we will be fine. That's the power of listening. If we remove the power of listening from our life, in every area of our life, in fact, in every single area, if we remove it, we don't realize that sometimes we are removing the opportunity for God to open our hearts. This woman, she was devoted to the religion that she thought was the correct one. She grew up in a different religion. But in one point of her life, she decided to obey what Jewish tradition and religion was presenting to her. Because she was looking for God. She wanted God in her life. And she thought that she was in the right place. And, and she thought that that was it. 
getting together, praying, having this interaction with other uh, women and probably men as well, close to that river. And now this guy, Paul, comes and says, hey, there's a story that you don't know. There's a part you're missing. She could easily say, no, don't tell me anything because I already found what I needed. No, 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 don't, don't tell me anything else because I found the truth and nothing else is true. Nothing else is the truth. No, nothing else. But she's like, no, okay, tell me, what, what do you have? And he presented the message of Jesus. And she was able to listen to that. And God decided to open her heart. How open is your heart to receive what God is telling you for your life? The biggest mistake that we can assume in the Christian life is to think that we got it all together in the right place now. That we already know what we needed to know and my life is good the way it is because we block the opportunity for the Holy Spirit to take us deeper. Christian life is not an event. It's a process. Jesus said, I am the way. You know what that means? He didn't say, I am the final destination. That sounds like a movie. That's a movie, right? Called like that. A couple of movies, in fact. Yeah, series, yeah. He said, I am the way. I am the way. What that means is, you can walk on me and you'll be safe. Because I'm leading you to the right place. Christian faith is a process. And in every single part of the process, we experience God deeper and deeper and deeper until that day that we can get to be with Him in glory. Do not block the voice of God in your life. Do not close your heart to what He wants to tell you. And uh, yes, and I, and I was going to say something else, but I already, I already saw David. So, but here is my last thought. Her response. She got the message. She's ready. But she, she does something kind of weird for us. She was insisting them to stay. Let me tell you why. This culture, for many years, for many centuries, was based, no matter what region of uh, the Holy Land, if you want to call it that way, you were, this idea of honor and shame was present everywhere. The culture was based on honor and shame. You were looking for honor. And you were fighting so hard to avoid shame. So people wanted to fit in one specific area of life uh, and the culture or society because they wanted to be honored. They didn't want to experience shame. That's why hospitality was super important for them. In fact, hospitality was taught in the Old Testament as a way to obey the Lord as well. In fact, the instruction was like, 
welcome people at home because you don't know if they're angels. So people didn't want to miss the opportunity to host angels or even God himself. So they were opening their houses for people to come and they will be able to take care of them as well. Why? Because that was an honor for them. It's an honor if you allow me to take care of you, even if I don't know you. You are a complete stranger. I understand, but it's an honor if you allow me to stay uh, if you allow me to take care of you. That was an honor. But if you rejected that opportunity, it was not an honor. It was shameful. So this woman, Lydia, and based on her name, she was a freed woman. You know what that means? That she was a slave once. And that was very typical in Macedonia in those days. But now she's free. Some people in, in academics, they believe that she had a lot of money because of the business she had. We're not sure about it. From my perspective, in my studies, she was more like an entrepreneur. But she wanted to offer something to people. And she said, stay with me. Stay with me. If she was rejected by them, that was going to bring shame to her and the whole family. But if she didn't offer that, it was going to be exactly the same. Shameful. So she was, she's like, you need to stay with me. Honor me, but let me honor you. But the, the words, the words she uses. If you agree that I am a true believer in the Lord, come and stay with me. She's craving so much for honor. But not honor in the negative way. But in the way, listen to it, this is important because this is the point I didn't mention last week. Last week I told you three points and I only told you two. Well, the three points, but without the last one, I didn't mention the name. So this is the third point from last week and the third point today. People in this world, they're craving for honor, but not the honor that can bring, you know, pride into their hearts, but the honor that can bring, listen to this word, validation. And the only one that can really validate people is the Creator. And we have that message. People are struggling. They're suffering. Yes, they're behaving in, in ways that are sometimes terrible. We all understand that. But they want to hear the message that they are accepted by God. And we, the church, we have the responsibility to listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit and to communicate to the community, to communicate to the society, to communicate to this country, to communicate to the world. You value for God. You are accepted. And He wants you. You are not rejected anymore. You value for Him. That's the beauty of the gospel. When people can hear that the gods, because that's what they believed. Oh, the gods are mad at us. And they're going to punish us because they are mad. 
And then the gospel comes telling you, no, God is not mad at you. In fact, He loves you. And you value a lot for Him. Remember, the power of listening and the message that we receive from the voice of the Holy Spirit to tell everyone that they are valued for God.